You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey guys, hope that you are doing well. We are starting a new series this week here on the podcast. It is entitled Exodus, which is just a simple way to say that we're going to be walking through the exodus of the nation of Israel from the nation of Egypt. We're not going to look at the calling of Moses. We're not going to look at really the first dozen chapters of the book of Exodus. We're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 13, where the nation of Israel is actually leaving the nation of Egypt. And then over the next month, we're going to talk about some different things that they come up against as they wander in the wilderness uh, for the next 40 years. I think this is important to point out. Um, Moses, if you have not been following Jesus for a really long time, um, is a name that you probably have heard anyway. Uh, He's definitely one of the heroes of the faith. But I think that so many of us think of Moses and we think of like, just this perfect human being. But what we have to remember is that Moses was just that, a human being, that he actually um, kills someone. He kills an Egyptian slave driver uh, early on in the book of Exodus. So he's a murderer. He, He rushes the will of God, even though he knows that God has a calling on his life. He gets there too soon. And he rushes the call of God on his life and he ends up murdering an Egyptian and, and he has to run away and then he gets called back and he delivers the nation of Israel from Egypt. So where we're going to pick up Exodus chapter 13 verses 21 through 22. This is right after the people are quote unquote allowed to leave Egypt by Pharaoh. After the plagues, after Moses comes before Pharaoh and, and they have this standoff, Pharaoh is now allowing them to leave, but what we'll see today is that that is not really what happened. So Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22 say, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So the first point this week is God goes before us. I know it's a simple point, but I think that we can fall into the habit of believing that God is just watching. And what's important for us to understand is that God is not passively observing. He is actively delivering. He's not passive. He's active. God's interest in the people of Israel was not just to liberate them from Egypt, but to take them to the promised land. For us, it's important that we understand that God is not just interested in liberating us, but he's actually interested in taking us to the places that he has for us. Last week, in our previous series, we talked about how God wants to take us from something, but he also wants to take us to something. I think it's really important that we understand that God doesn't just want to save us. He doesn't, he doesn't just want us to feel safe. He wants to guide us. He wants to help us navigate life. He wants, us to, he wants to help us navigate our relationships and our workplaces and, and school or whatever it may be. He doesn't just want to liberate, liberate us. He doesn't want to just save us from the brokenness of our lives. He wants to guide us because in the guidance of our lives, we will come in contact with other people who need the guidance of Jesus. He's always working with us. I think the problem with, with, with too many of our prayer lives is that we often pray for deliverance from the bad things. We pray for liberation from the things that are bringing us down, but rarely do we actually pray, pray for guidance. And I think this is why. I think that because when we pray for guidance, what we understand is that God might guide us to some place that we wouldn't have for ourselves, that we have an idea of where we want to be. And the danger of praying for guidance, the danger of praying for God to show us where to go is that he might ask us to go somewhere a little bit more difficult than we would prefer. But would we be people 
who don't just pray for liberation. We don't just pray, pray for deliverance. Yes, pray for those things, but not just those things. Pray for guidance in every day, in every single thing. How much would our perspective change if we truly believe that God was out in front of us? How much would we believe? How much would our posture change? How much would our perspective change if we truly believed that God was guiding us towards the things that were best for us, that he was preparing the way? One of the first mission trips I went on uh, was to Ethiopia, and my wife Larissa and I were like 19 years old. Uh, we weren't married yet, and uh, we were going with a group of people that were all twice to three times our age, and I, I remember um, so many things from that trip, and one of my mentors, one of my good friends, Ron Todd, who has since passed, I, I remember him sitting in our pre-meeting before we went to Ethiopia the first time, and in his prayer, he simply said, God, we know that you're already there. We know that you're already there and that you're preparing the soil for the things that we're going to do. And, and I've heard that like before, but when he said it, I was just like, wow, like that's, that's really, really amazing. And, and I kept kind of meditating on that as, as we were preparing for our trip. And a couple months later, we fly over to Ethiopia. We, we take this big, long bus ride from Addis Ababa, which is a, the capital city of Ethiopia. And then we go into this little town called Ambo. And right on the outside of Ambo, we have this, this orphanage, this orphanage that we worked at with for years and years and years. And me and Larissa got the privilege of going there four times. And, um, we, we pull up this first time and we're in a bus and all these kids are standing there with these wildflowers and we step out and these kids with no hesitancy, like none whatsoever run up to us. They give us flowers. They give us hugs. It's like, like they were welcoming us back, welcoming us back. Like we had, we had never been there before, but it felt like we had been there so many times. And I remember uh, my little girls, uh, Duratu and Rosa and, and all these amazing little girls who, who just welcomed me in and, and all these boys and Daniel and, and Fikadu and all these guys that were just like, it was like they were my little brothers and sisters. I was 18, 19 years old. These guys were like eight or nine years old. And, and it was like we had known each other our entire lives. And then Saliman, who is the, the orphanage director, came up and he gave me a hug and he simply said, hey, we've been praying for you that God would prepare your hearts just like you've been praying for us to prepare our hearts. And I was just like, wow, like this is this is unbelievable. Like, like God had done work relationally that, that I couldn't have done that. Like the awkwardness of meeting someone new was completely gone because God had gone before us and he had prepared the soil. And that's happened so many different times in my life with relationships, with work things, with, with whatever it may be. And yet I still have a hard time understanding that God goes before me, that God is setting the path out in front of me. Would we be people who understand that he is our pillar, that he's out in front of us all the time? Would we just be willing to, to recognize it. The story in Exodus goes on to say in chapter 14, verses 5 through 10. It says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Harath, opposite baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. The next point this week is bold-ish. You see, the Israelites were fickle, and they were emotional, kind of like us, right? When the free pass out of Egypt was presented by Pharaoh after Moses had brought forth God's plagues, the Israelites marched out boldly. 
There was no resistance. So they walked with their chins up. They marched out of Egypt. They were like, yeah, look what God did. You don't stand a chance. And now you're allowing us to go with no resistance. We are walking out, marching out boldly. Then when they hear that Pharaoh is coming after them, when they see the army marching on them, they are terrified. Not so bold anymore when resistance presented itself. And I feel like I identify with that way too much. Maybe you do too. We have all the confidence in the world when everything is lining up, but when obstacles present themselves, we fold. So I want to ask a question this week. Are you, am I, walking out this season in confidence or in fear? I'm not talking about the past. I'm not talking about your prospective future. What I'm talking about is right now in this season. Are you walking out this season in confidence or fear? Am I walking out this season in confidence or fear? God was fulfilling a promise to the people of Israel, one of the biggest promises ever, the deliverance of an entire nation, and yet their humanity took control of their reactions. God is currently working out promises in your life. God is currently working out promises in my life. Are we going to have confidence in those promises? Are we going to let our humanity be fearful of the outcomes? Are we going to be people who walk out our season in confidence or in fear? See, the very next verses, verses 11 and 12, it says, They said to Moses, Was it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How dare you, Moses? How dare you deliver the nation of Israel because God asked you to? How dare you deliver us from our oppressors? How dare you deliver us from slavery? What a human response. It was great when there was no resistance. But the moment the resistance presented itself, now they are upset. So easy to get comfortable in the acceptable that we don't even look for the more that God has for us. They were like, yeah, this is fine. Like, this is good. Like, it's not exactly what I would want, but like, it's acceptable. And I'm just going to be comfortable in the acceptable when God has so much more. I promise you this is that God has never called us to comfort ever, ever. He's called us to more. The rest of our lives aren't called like we're not called to just being like, okay with life, no matter what the situation, even if situations have been good, even if you feel like full, there's more and it's not necessarily more for you. Maybe your more is for other people, but we need to be individuals and, and communities that are always looking at what God wants for us not just living in the comfort of acceptable. You see, too often we prefer the situation that we know. Too often we prefer the situation that we know instead of the situation that God has for us. Too often we prefer the circumstance that we know, not the circumstance that God wants us to walk through. You see, the moment that things took a turn, the Israelites started complaining. Now hear me, there's a significant difference between complaining and questioning. There's a significant difference between complaining and questioning. Could I challenge all of us to be intentional questioners instead of constant complainers intentional questioners instead of constant complainers you see complainers say why is this happening to me why me why me why me and intentional questioners would say god i don't understand why this is happening but what are you trying to teach me through this what is the lesson that i can garner from this how can i become stronger how can i become better is this situation going to lead to the deliverance of someone else here's the thing if you have time to complain about it, you have time to pray about it. If you have time to complain about it, you have time to pray about it. So the Israelites are being 
the Israelites, and our boy Moses responds with arguably my favorite four sentences in all of Scripture. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The next point this is this week is dependence over dismay. Dependence over dismay. This is just really a, a cheap way of avoiding the overused phrase of faith over fear. Because we've all seen faith over fear. We've seen it at Hobby Lobby. We've seen it on the walls of, you know, your middle-aged aunt, like whatever it may be. And I think we've become numb to the phrase faith over fear. But the reason that we see it everywhere is because it's so incredibly true. So whether it's faith over fear, dependence over dismay, however we want to look at it, Moses in the face of the exact same threat as the rest of the nation of Israel, responds with faith in God instead of fear in the Egyptians. He responds in dependence on God, not dismay over the fact that the Egyptian army is pursuing them. Listen, like fear was a natural response. An army was bearing down on them with the intent to either kill them or take them back into captivity. I cannot say that I wouldn't be responding the exact same way if I was the Israelites. But... As followers of Jesus, living on this side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the call isn't to respond naturally. The call is to respond supernaturally. That only happens when we have a posture of dependence on Jesus. That we would understand my natural response is this, but my supernatural response is what's being called out of me right now because of my faith in Jesus. Left to my own, yeah, no, I am fearful. But... If I have a posture of dependence on Jesus and I understand that it's his strength, not mine, I now respond in faith. I no longer respond in fear. I respond in faith. Moses gives two commands in these quick sentences. The first one is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Know who's on your side. Circumstances can feel really big. This circumstance feels really big. There's an army bearing down on us. This circumstance or any other circumstance that's happening in our life today was not and is not bigger than God. God is always bigger. The second command was be still, be still. Our tendency is to do instead of be. Sometimes we have to stop trying to do the thing and just be in the presence of the one who can solve all things. Stop trying to do the thing and be in the presence of the one who can solve all things. I don't know about you, but, but I'm a fixer. I'm a fixer in my marriage. Like every time there's a problem, I want to fix it. Every time there's a problem with my kids, I want to fix it. Every time there's a problem at work, I want to fix it. Like I just, I don't want to slide in and I want to fix it. Even if it's not my job responsibility, even if it's not like my place to fix it, I always try to fix it. And oftentimes trying to fix it makes things worse. Like in my marriage, I'm always like, how do I fix this? And my wife's like, no, just like stop trying to fix it. You can't, you can't fix it. Nothing you, you are going to do is going to solve the problem. I just need you to be, I just need you to be with me. I need you to be present. With my kids, I'm like, how do I fix it? And they're like, Dad, it's my homework. Like, you can't fix it without, like, doing my homework for me. And I'm like, oh, I want you to have good grades, so I'll just do it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do my kids' homework. But, like, I I'm always somebody who tries to fix. And oftentimes it leads to worse brokenness. We have to be willing to just be in the presence of God. Now, listen to me. That is not a license for apathy. It's a call to, fi it's a call to faith. Being intentional about your stillness is important that you would sit in stillness, that you would sit in just your being in the presence of Jesus, and you would say, Lord, if there is action that you want me to take, I will take that action. But if you don't want me to take that action, if you want this to marinate, if you want this to be, 
Just let me be. Just let me be still in your presence and watch you work. The Lord your God will fight for you. You need only to be still. The story goes on to say this in verses 15 through 20. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I, when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen, then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. See, in front to guide, behind to protect. In front to guide, behind to protect. We already walked through the fact that God is out in front of us, but this is an incredible reminder that he's not only out in front of us, but he's always protecting our blind side. Psalm 139 says, you hem me in behind and before. I love that phrase. You hem me in behind and before. That is exactly what's happening to the Israelites in this moment. God is not only about to make a way, he's also protecting them from danger. He's making a way to where they're going. He's protecting them from where they were. As they're crying out to God in fear, he's not surprised to find them in the situation. He knows every one of them fully. He he knows the situation fully. He knows every single person in the nation of Israel and says, I know how you're reacting. I'm here for you. I'm for you. I'm with you. And he's setting the stage for something bigger. If we are firmly planted in the calling of the will of God, the enemy can't take us by surprise. God is forever present and forever propelling us towards that which he has for us. We are hemmed in. We are fully known. We we are known fully today and every day because we serve an incredible God. So God tells Moses to raise a staff. The sea splits, dry ground. They walk across it. God tells Moses to raise a staff again, and the, the sea closes and it kills the entire Egyptian army. And we're going to close with verses 29 through 31 in Exodus chapter 14. It says, But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. So they have a pillar bef- before them and behind them. They have a wall on their left and their right. They are completely protected. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and Moses' servant. The last point is this, delivered again. This story is amazing, and it's one of us, that one story that we've probably heard growing up in the church. Um, and, And as a kid, you're just like, wow, like, Look how big God is. And that's so true. It's so amazing. Like, unbelievably awe-inspiring story. But when I read the story as an adult, I often get caught up in the frustration that I have towards the people of Israel. Like My question is like always, like that's, that's what it took for you to have faith? Like God just brought plagues on the nation of Egypt, delivered you from a nation. Like you had been in captivity for so long. You've been slaves for so long. Moses comes in. God works through Moses, delivers you through all of these unbelievable things that God is so evident. And then you're like, ah, you know, still don't have that much faith. And then like God has to split a sea into we'll let you walk across dry ground, kill an entire army of Egyptians. You're like, now I have faith. Now I believe in God. Now I believe in Moses. Like that's, that's the thing. The 13 chapters leading up to this moment are filled with God being God and doing crazy things. But this is what it took. And then I think about my own walk, and I see unfortunate similarities. God does something amazing. I have faith. I am blown away at what God is doing. And then it fades over and over again. I find myself needing reminders. 
of God's goodness. I need. I feel like I I need reminders of what God is and how powerful He is and all those different things. Like I I am the Israelites. I am the Israelites. But here's the amazing thing. Exodus is just the beginning of the story. It's the second book in the Bible. God shows up again and again and again and again to remind his people of his power and love. Should we need reminders? No. Do we need reminders? Yeah. That's our humanity. And God doesn't get frustrated with that. He just proves himself time and time and time again. Throughout all of scripture and throughout our modern day lives, that God shows up. So here's the big challenge. Can we be people who are amazed at everything that God has already done and have great faith that he isn't done yet. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.